0: THE FRENCH REVOLUTION A HISTORY by Thomas Carlyle Volume 2 The Constitution Book 3 The Tuileries Chapter 7 Death of Mirabeau This LibriVox recording is in the public domain Read by Peter Dan Book 3 Chapter 7 Death of Mirabeau But Mirabeau could not live another year, any more than he could live another thousand years, menjis are numbered, and the tale of Mirabeau's was now complete. Important or unimportant, to be mentioned in world history for some centuries, or not to be mentioned there beyond a day or two, it matters not to peremptory fate. From amid the press of ruddy, busy life, the pale messenger beckoned silently. Widespreading interests, projects, salvation of French monarchies, what thing soever man has on hand, he must suddenly quit it all and go. Wert thou saving French monarchies? Wert thou blacking shoes on the Pont Neuf? The most important of men cannot stay. Did the world's history depend on an hour? That hour is not to be given. Whereby, indeed, it comes that these same would-have-beens are mostly a vanity, and the world's history could never in the least be what it would, or might, or should, by any manner of potentiality, but simply and altogether what it is. The fierce wear and tear of such an existence has wasted out the giant oaken strength of Mirabeau. A fret and fever that keeps heart and brain on fire, excess of effort, of excitement, excess of all kinds, labour incessant, almost beyond incredibility. If I had not lived with him, says Dumont, I should never have known what a man can make of one day, what things may be placed within the interval of twelve hours. A day for this man was more than a week or a month is for others. The mass of things he guided on together was prodigious, from the scheming to the executing, not a moment lost. Monsieur le Comte said his secretary to him once, "What you require is impossible." "Impossible," answered he, starting from his chair. "Ne me dites jamais cette bête de mot." "Never name to me that blockhead of a word." And then the social repasts. The dinner which he gives as commandant of National Guards, which costs five hundred pounds, alas, and the sirens of the opera and all the ginger that is hot in the mouth, down what a course is this man hurled? Cannot Mirabeau stop? cannot he fly and save himself alive? No, there is a Nessus' shirt on this Hercules; he must storm and burn there without rest till he be consumed. Human strength, never so Herculean has its measure. Herald shadows flit pale across the fire-brain of Mirabeau, heralds of the pale repose. While he tosses and storms straining every nerve in that sea of ambition and confusion, there comes, sombre and still, a monition that for him the issue of it will be swift death. In January last you might see him as President of the Assembly, his neck wrapped in linen cloths at the evening session. There was sick heat of the blood, alternate darkening and flashing in the eyesight. He had to apply leeches, after the morning labour, and preside bandaged. At parting he embraced me, says Dumont, with an emotion I had never seen in him. I am dying, my friend, dying as by slow fire. We shall perhaps not meet again. When I am gone they will know what the value of me was. The miseries I have held back will burst from all sides on France. Sickness gives louder warning, but cannot be listened to. On the twenty-seventh day of March, proceeding towards the assembly, he had to seek rest and help in friend Lamarck's by the road, and lay there for an hour, half fainted, stretched on a sofa. To the assembly, nevertheless, he went, as if in spite of destiny itself, spoke, loud and eager, five several times, then quitted the tribune, forever. He steps out utterly exhausted, into the Tuileries' gardens. Many people press round him, as usual, with applications, memorials. He says to the friend who was with him, Take me out of this. And so, on the last day of March, 1791, endless anxious multitudes beset the Rue de la Chaussée d'Antin, incessantly inquiring. Within doors there, in that house numbered in our time, 42, the overwearied giant has fallen down to die crowds of all parties and kinds of all ranks from the king to the meanest man the king sends publicly twice a day to inquire privately besides from the world at large there is no end of inquiring a written bulletin is handed out every three hours is copied and circulated in the end it is printed the people spontaneously keep silence no carriage shall enter with its noise there is crowding pressure But the sister of Mirabeau is reverently recognised and has free way made for her. The people stand mute, heart-stricken. To all it seems as if a great calamity were nigh, as if the last man of France who could have swayed these coming troubles lay there at hand-grips with the unearthly power. The silence of a whole people, the wakeful toil of Cabani, friend and physician, skills not on saturday the second day of april mirabeau feels that the last of the days has risen for him that on this day he has to depart and be no more his death is titanic as his life has been lit up for the last time in the glare of coming dissolution the mind of the man is all glowing and burning utters itself in sayings such as men long remember he longs to live yet acquiesces in death argues not with the inexorable. His speech is wild and wondrous, unearthly phantasms dancing now their torch-dance round his soul, the soul itself looking out, fire-radiant, motionless, girt together for that great hour. At time comes a beam of light from him on the world he is quitting. I carry in my heart the death dirge of the French monarchy. The dead remains of it will now be the spoil of the factious, or again when he heard the cannon fire, what is characteristic too. Have we the Achilles' funeral already? So likewise, while some friend is supporting him, yes, support that head, would I could bequeath it thee. For the man dies as he has lived, self-conscious, conscious of a world looking on. He gazes forth on the young spring, which for him will never be summer. The sun has risen, he says, Si ce n'est pas la dieu, c'est de moins son cousin germain. Death has mastered the outworks. Power of speech is gone. The citadel of the heart still holding out. The moribund giant, passionately by sign, demands pen and paper, writes his passionate demand for opium to end these agonies. The sorrowful doctor shakes his head. Dormir, to sleep, writes the other, passionately pointing at it so dies a gigantic heathen and titan, stumbling blindly, undismayed, down to his rest. At half-past eight in the morning, Dr. Petit, standing at the foot of the bed, says, "Il ne souffre plus. His suffering and his working are now ended. Even so, ye silent patriot multitudes, or ye men of France, this man is rapt away from you. HE HAS FALLEN SUDDENLY, WITHOUT BENDING, TILL HE BROKE AS A TOWER FALLS, SMITTEN BY SUDDEN LIGHTNING. HIS WORD, YE he SHALL HEAR NO MORE, HIS GUIDANCE, FOLLOW NO MORE. THE MULTITUDES DEPART, heart struck, SPREAD THE SAD TIDINGS. HOW TOUCHING IS THE LOYALTY OF MEN TO THEIR SOVEREIGN MAN. ALL THEATERS, PUBLIC AMUSEMENTS, CLOSE, NO JOYFUL MEETING CAN BE HELD IN THESE NIGHTS, JOY IS NOT FOR THEM. The people break in upon private dancing parties and sullenly command that they cease. Of such dancing parties apparently but two came to light, and these also have gone out. The gloom is universal. Never in this city was such sorrow for one death. Never since that old night when Louis twelve departed... And the crieurs des corps went sounding their bells and crying along the streets, Le bon roi Louis, père du peuple est mort. The good King Louis, father of the people, is dead. King Mirabeau is now the lost king, and one may say with little exaggeration, All the people mourn for him. For three days there is low, wide moan, weeping in the National Assembly itself. The streets are all mournful, orators mounted on the borns, with large silent audience preaching the funeral sermon of the dead. Let no coachman whip fast, distractively, with his rolling wheels, or almost at all, through these groups. His traces may be cut, himself and his fare, as incurable aristocrats hurled sulkily into the kennels. The Bornstone orators speak as it is given them. The sanskolotic people, with its rude soul, listens eager, as men will to any sermon or sermo, when it is spoken, word meaning a thing, and not a babblement meaning nothing. In the restaurateurs of the Palais Royal, the waiter remarks, Fine weather, monsieur. Yes, my friend, answers the ancient man of letters, very fine, but Mirabeau is dead hoarse rhythmic threnodies come also from the throats of ballad-singers are sold on grey-white paper at a sou each but of portraits engraved painted hewn and written of eulogies reminiscences biographies nay vaudevilles dramas and melodramas in all provinces of france there will through these coming months be the due immeasurable crop thick as the leaves of spring nor that a tincture of burlesque might be in it is Goebel's episcopal mondemont wanting Goose Gobel who has just been made constitutional bishop of Paris. A mondemont wherein Sa Ira alternates very strangely with nomine domine, and you are with a grave countenance invited to rejoice at possessing in the midst of you a body of prelates created by Mirabeau, zealous followers of his doctrine, faithful imitators of his virtues. So speaks and cackles manifold the sorrow of France, wailing articulately, inarticulately, as it can, that a sovereign man is snatched away. In the National Assembly, when difficult questions are astir, all eyes will turn mechanically to the place where Mirabeau sat, and Mirabeau is absent now. ON THE THIRD EVENING OF THE LAMENTATION, THE FOURTH OF APRIL, THERE IS SOLEMN PUBLIC FUNERAL, SUCH AS DECEASED MORTALS SELDOM HAD. PROCESSION OF A LEAGUE IN LENGTH OF MOURNERS, reckoned LOOSELY AT A HUNDRED THOUSAND. ALL ROOFS ARE THRONGED WITH ONLOOKERS, ALL WINDOWS, LAMP-IRONS, BRANCHES OF TREES. SADNESS IS PAINTED ON EVERY COUNTENANCE, MANY PERSONS WEEP. THERE IS DOUBLE HEDGE OF NATIONAL GUARDS, THERE IS NATIONAL ASSEMBLY IN A BODY, jacobin society and societies kings ministers municipals and all notabilities patriot or aristocrat bouillet is noticeable there with his hat on say hat drawn over his brow hiding many thoughts slow wending in religious silence the procession of a league in length under the level sun rays for it is five o'clock moves and marches with its sable plumes itself in a religious silence but by fits with the muffled roll of drums, by fits with some long-drawn wail of music and strange new clangour of trombones and metallic dirge voice amid the infinite hum of men. In the church of St. Eustache there is funeral oration by Cerruti and discharge of firearms which brings down pieces of the plaster. Thence forward again to the church of Saint Genevieve, which has been consecrated by supreme degree on the spur of this time into a pantheon for the great men of the fatherland, au hommes la Patrie reconnaissante. Hardly at midnight is the business done, and Mirabeau left in his dark dwelling, first tenant of that fatherland's pantheon. Tenant, alas, who inhabits but at will and shall be cast out for in these days of convulsion and disjection not even the dust of the dead is permitted to rest. Voltaire's bones are by and by to be carried from their stolen grave in the Abbey of Cellier to an eager-stealing grave in Paris, his birth-city. All mortals processioning and perorating there, cars drawn by eight white horses, godsters in classical costume with fillets and wheat-deers enough, though the weather is of the wettest, Evangelist Jean-Jacques, too, as is most proper, must be dug up from the Hermenoville and processioned with pomp, with sensibility, to the pantheon of the fatherland, he and others, while again Mirabeau, we say, is cast forth from it, happily incapable of being replaced, and rests now, irrecognizable, reburied hastily at dead of night in the central part of the churchyard St. Catherine in the suburb St. Marceau, to be disturbed no further so blazes out, far seen, a man's life, and becomes ashes and a caput mortuum in this world pyre, which we name French Revolution, not the first that consumed itself there, nor by thousands and many millions the last. A man who had swallowed all formulas, who in these strange times and circumstances felt called to live titanically, and also to die so. As he, for his part, had swallowed all formulas, what formula is there, never so comprehensive, that will express truly the plus and the minus, give us the accurate, net result of him? There is hitherto none such. Moralities, not a few, must treat condemnatory over this Mirabeau. The morality by which he could be judged has not yet got uttered in the speech of men. We shall say this of him, again, that he is a reality and no simulacrum a living son of nature, our general mother, not a hollow artifice and mechanism of conventionalities, son of nothing, brother to nothing. In which little word, let the earnest man, walking sorrowful in a world mostly of stuffed clothes-suits that chatter and grin meaningless on him, quite ghastly to the earnest soul, think what significance there is. Of men who, in such sense, are alive and see with eyes, the number is now not great. It may be well if in this huge French Revolution itself, with its all-developing fury, we find some three. Mortals driven rabid, we find, spluttering the acridest logic, bearing their breast to the battle-hail, their neck to the guillotine, of whom it is so painful to say that they too are still, in good part, manufactured formalities, not facts, but here says. Honour to the strong man in these ages who has shaken himself loose of shams and is something. For in the way of being worthy the first condition surely is that one be. Let can't cease at all risks and at all costs, till can't cease nothing else can begin. Of human criminals in these centuries, writes the moralist, I find but one unforgivable, the quack Hateful to God, as Divine Dante sings, and to the enemies of God. Adios piacente ed an amici sui. But whoever will, with sympathy, which is the first essential towards insight, look at this questionable Mirabeau, may find that there lay verily in him, as the basis of all, a sincerity, a great free earnestness, nay, call it honesty for the man did before all things see with that clear flashing vision into what was into what existed as fact and did with his wild heart follow that and no other whereby on what way soever he travels and struggles often enough failing he is still a brother man hate him not thou canst not hate him Shining through such soil and tarnish, and now victorious effulgent and oftenest struggling eclipsed, the light of genius itself is in this man, which was never yet base and hateful, but at worst was lamentable, lovable with pity. They say that he was ambitious, that he wanted to be minister, and is most true. And was he not simply the one man in France who could have done any good as minister? not vanity alone, not pride alone, far from that. Wild burstings of affection were in this great heart of fierce lightning and soft dew of pity. So sunk, bemired in wretchedest defacements, it may be said of him, like the Magdalene of old, that he loved much, his father, the harshest of old crabbed men, he loved with warmth, with veneration, be it that his falls and follies are manifold as himself often lamented even with tears alas is not the life of every such man already a poetic tragedy made up of fate and of one's own deservings of schicksal and Agnes Schult, full of the elements of pity and fear this brother man if not epic for us is tragic if not great is large large in his qualities world large in his destinies whom other men recognising him as such may through long times remember and draw nigh to examine and consider these in their several dialects will say of him and sing of him till the right thing be said and so the formula that can judge him be no longer an undiscovered one here then the wild gabriel honore drops from the tissue of our history not without a tragic farewell he is gone the flower of the wild rachetti or regetti kind, which seems as if in him, with one last effort, it had done its best and then expired or sunk down to the undistinguished level. Crab Dold Marquis mirabeau, the friend of men, sleeps sound. The Bailly mirabeau, worthy uncle, will soon die forlorn, alone. Barrel mirabeau, already gone across the Rhine, his regiment of emigrants, will drive nigh desperate barrel mirabeau says a biographer of his went indignantly across the rhine and drilled emigrant regiments but as he sat one morning in his tent sour of stomach doubtless and of heart meditating in tartarian humour on the turn things took a certain captain a subaltern demanded admittance on business such captain is refused he again demands with refusal and then again, till Colonel Viscount Barrel Mirabeau, blazing up into a mere burning brandy-barrel, clutches his sword and tumbles out on this canaille of an intruder, alas, on the canaille of an intruder's sword-point, who had drawn with swift dexterity, and dies, and the newspapers name it apoplexy and alarming accident. So die the Mirabeaus. New Mirabeaus one hears not of, THE WILD KINDRED, AS WE SAID, IS GONE OUT WITH THIS ITS GREATEST, AS FAMILIES AND KINDRED SOMETIMES DO, PRODUCING AFTER LONG AGES OF UNNOTED NOTABILITY, SOME LIVING QUINTESSENCE OF ALL THE QUALITIES THEY HAD, TO FLAME FORTH AS A MAN WORLD-NOTED, AFTER WHOM THEY REST AS IF EXHAUSTED, THE sceptre PASSING TO OTHERS. THE CHOSEN LAST OF THE MIRABOS IS GONE, THE CHOSEN MAN OF FRANCE IS GONE. It was he who shook old France from its bases, and as if with his single hand has held it toppling there, still unfallen. What things depended on that one man? He is as a ship suddenly shivered on sunk rocks, much swims on the waste waters, far from help. End of book three, chapter seven.